both from the Gospel of Luke. The first is from Luke chapter 11, verses 5 to 13. And you can find this on page 742, if you're using one of the Bibles we've provided. Again, that's Luke chapter 11, verses 5 to 13. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything, because he is his friend. Yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or, if he asks for an egg, give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The second reading is just a few pages later in Luke chapter 18, verses 1 to 8. It's Luke chapter 18, beginning at the first verse. And Jesus told them in a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, Yet, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect, who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? This is God's word. Amen. Well, I'm excited this morning what God's spirit has to impress upon us. <clears throat> but were you here last Sunday? I mean, I, I hope you were. Last Sunday, it was, we had our second annual Reflect service, Reflect 2011, as we reflected upon and reported back sort of what has happened over the previous year, testimonies of God's gracious work, especially answers to prayer. I mean, 45 minutes worth, could have been longer. It was pretty, it was awesome. If you missed it, uh, I put together a little highlight reel so you can get the feel of how it was last week. I'm going to apologize ahead of time for the feedback on the recording, but have a listen. Here's a little highlight reel. And I'm so thankful to Jesus because I know it's all Him. people who were in a position to help would really help, and that was the government. And so my uncle was trying really hard to get 
done. And uh, thankfully, a month later, uh, the government actually sanctioned that and they approved it as a village to get all the stuff going. But God is a God who still listens to our prayers, and even though it seems impossible, nothing surprises God. So when something really bad happens to you, and you're going through something, be, be aware that God's already known about it, and he's got some solutions, and you just have to just thank him and work him through it, and he's always there with you. <laughs> you know, it's not good to lose all your money and your passport and things like that, but I just saw, um, you know, God's hand in all of that with helping me to realize how strong of a wife I have. And what I just wanted to say today is that I prayed a lot during those 10 years. And God took it away one day. From Philippians 4, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praise shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for the good, will, will come and settle you. That was just some of the highlights. Pretty good stuff, huh? I should have taken it and, and, you know, put some turntables to it. Maybe make a little Funkadelic remix, you know what I'm saying? I did. <laughs> the lessons to our prayers. The lessons to our prayers. And I'm so thankful to Jesus because I know it's all Him. I prayed a lot. Instead of worrying, pray. Instead of worrying, pray. <laughs> it's impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> that's, that's right. That's right. That just happened. You can see that my uh, second calling in life was a house DJ, right? Wow. Okay. Once you guys kick me out as pastor, that's what I'm doing. All right. For all, all answer, <laughs> for all the answers that walked up to the front of the mic last week, there are, though, an equal number of those who sat in the seats and perhaps wondered to themselves, why is my prayer met not with an answer but with silence? And that's a question we're going to address this morning because it is an obstacle oftentimes to prayer that some prayers of ours, are, especially the ones we care about the most, are met with silence and, and, and not with testimonies. And we're going to do so this morning. Look at this question from two passages in Luke. We're going to focus on Luke 11, which you heard. But it's hard to look at Luke 11, as I was preparing this week, without really looking and considering Luke 18 because both are the only parables on prayer that Jesus tells, and they're, they're very similar. They make very similar points, right? Boldness and persistence. You probably saw that in both of these parables that Jesus told. Luke 11 is the story of a friend who makes a midnight knock on a friend's door. The emphasis here is a bit more the specificity and shamelessness of our requests. Right? In fact, the word translated in our passage this morning, impudence, that this friend who knocked on the door had a bunch of impudence and, and, and an dia in the Greek occurs nowhere else in the New Testament but I think that the, the sense of it is audacity both the point of rudeness in Luke 18 however 
with the widow and the judge, the emphasis is a bit more on persistence and patience in prayer. But in both cases, there is a clear and happy ending, right? You get to the end of the parable, happy ending. Good stuff. So it might seem strange that we would be sort of mining, as it were, these passages to consider a dilemma of unanswered prayer. But some of the finer details in these two passages, I think, can actually help give us some direction as to why certain prayers aren't answered. Or not answered in the way we ask, at least. But first, I need to make a brief, allow me this, brief caveat, brief disclaimer. I'm not going to be speaking this morning of cases in which prayer is really answered, but we just don't notice. You know what I mean by that? Prayer is answered, but we just don't see it. I'm going to affirm this happens a lot. Uh, Many times it happens because we don't take the time or have the discipline to reflect back upon our lives and ask God, God, show me, what were you doing? But it also happens because we are looking through rose-colored glasses, not cross-shaped glasses. Let me explain what I mean here. You know rose-colored glasses, right? Everything's good, it's, it's beautiful. That's when my prayers are answered. God has two major goals in creating us as human beings. One for us to trust Him through His perfect representation here on earth, Jesus Christ. The second major goal He has in us is to become more like Jesus Christ, to look more like Him. And it's a remodeling project that God has in mind for us. I say remodeling because He's taking the image of God, which tainted by rebellion, by sin, by that big no in our heart, and He's working it back to the way we were supposed to be. Like our first father, Adam. In his image. That's why Jesus is called the second Adam. We're made more like him, more to his image. And those, those are God's two big goals in our lives. So if we consider that, when we pray for God's blessing on our lives, or we pray, God, please help me, please show favor to me. And instead we start to meet resistance at work, or in our marriages, or our health declines, or... We go through a season of real dryness in our relationship with God. We typically assume that God has met our prayers with silence. But in fact, He usually is not. He means for us to look to the cross during such times, to receive forgiveness, be strengthened by His love, and to respond to that love by dying to self just as Jesus died for us. And as we die to self, we start to become more and more like Christ. As C.S. Lewis once said, I'm very fond of saying, frequently actually, suffering is God's megaphone to a deaf world. Oftentimes, without the hard answers to prayer, we wouldn't hear at all. We're too busy with our own lives and with ourselves, right? So whatever He does, whatever it takes, to bless us, to help us, to give us our best life now with the gifts of trust and becoming more like Jesus. We'll do whatever it takes. My little disclaimer, okay? But, but sometimes our prayers really, genuinely are met with legitimate silence. And friends, let's be honest, that can be just debilitating, defeating can cripple our faith that God is good and that He is real. 
So my prayer this morning is that the few possibilities we're going to see in these two passages as to why certain prayers are met with silence will actually serve to maintain or even restore confidence in the goodness of God. Whether that's for you or for someone you care about. So let me give you a few possibilities. We're going to look through three possibilities from this passage and the details of this passage. The first is going to be the hardest to hear and consider. All right, the first possibility is this, in terms of why our prayers are met with silence, that we're not ready. We are not ready for that prayer to be granted as we have asked it. In Luke 18, we have a story of a widow, right? A story of this persistent widow, and, and we have Jesus come to this conclusion. He says, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect, to his people, who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? Okay. But why is there a day and a night? And then rinse and repeat, right? Waiting and waiting. God is gracious and won't delay long, but Jesus insinuates here pretty clearly that there is often a delay. Why the delay? And man, such a delay. Right? Well, in teaching on this parable in his book, With Christ in the School of Prayer, available in the back lobby, Andrew Murray has a wonderful insight on this. He says, the farmer does indeed long for his harvest, but he knows that it must have its full time of sunshine and rain, and so has long patience. A child so often wants to pick the half-ripe fruit. The farmer knows to wait till the proper time. Man in his spiritual nature, too, is under the law of gradual growth that reigns in all created life. And it is the Father in whose hands are the times and seasons who alone knows the moment when the soul or the church is ripened to that fullness of faith in which it can really take and keep the blessing. Does that make sense? I mean, I got, it, uh, I got this banana tree in our front yard, these m- tiny little miniature bananas that, that some people have been telling me how to cook and use. You certainly can't open and eat them. That was a bad decision on my part. I'll say that ahead of time. All right, well, sorry. It, and partly because it was green, and they just stayed green. And, and you know, it was like putting sawdust in my mouth. It was, it was ridiculous. But all of us have had parents. And if you're over the age of 20, you finally appreciate if and when your parents withheld certain blessings from you that you asked for, right? So I'm thankful my parents, who are here this morning, didn't buy me a firearm, you know, because I wasn't ready to handle it (laughs) at age nine. That equally, my parents and my mom especially has said that she has regretted giving me certain things before I was ready. I often, for instance, ran off to school without my lunch. All right, and she would, without fail, bring it, right? Before that, before that lunch bell rang, she would bring it. As a kid, I was not ready to receive that as a gift, right, to be thankful for it. Rather, I came to expect it, right? Responsibility had not grown in me to the point where favors were viewed as gifts. To me, they were rights, right? They were sort of, oh, expected. I wasn't ready to receive it. 
you think about it. When, when you're a child, for those who sort of didn't have independence, some of you got independence very young, and you probably weren't ready for that. But for those of us without independence, how often did we long to be a teenager? Right? You wanted to be a teenager. And then when you were a teenager, what did you want to be? You want to be a college student or a university student. And then you're a university student, you want to be an adult. We wanted it so badly. And we did things that represented that next age bracket to our detriment. We weren't ready. Let me give you an example, a real-life example from my adult life. At the age of 10, uh, my wife Katie started to experience chronic back pain. And one night where both of us were at university, we had this amazing, uh, just intense, long time of prayer together for her back. And, and while we were praying, I had read a story from Luke chapter 8 about a woman who was sick for 12 years, chronically sick, 12 years. She visited all kinds of doctors until she went to Jesus and was healed. And to me, it sounded like Katie. All these doctors, all these diagnoses. And by faith, I really believe God was saying, 12 years from this time of sickness, Katie would likewise be healed. So for her, that would be age 22. So we prayed it. Well, age 22 came and went. God, why didn't you answer this prayer? I want to speak here from my perspective. Katie and I agreed. I'll speak from my perspective in our one flesh relationship. I, I was not ready to receive and take hold of the answer to that prayer. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't ready to receive and take hold of that blessing for two reasons. One, I hadn't learned to pray for anything every day for more than two weeks in my life. Maybe except for forgiveness. Right? That was pretty clear I needed that. But I couldn't pray for everything, one thing every day for more than probably two weeks. After age 22 came and went, though, we made up prayer sheets for each other. And at the top of the sheet she made for me to pray for her, you know, Katie put it, here it is right here. It's kind of old and dingy now. Pray for healing my back every day, seven days a week. In my case, I know I would have seen God answer the prayer. If I would have seen him answer that prayer when I was younger, I would never have persisted in prayer like this widow in Luke 18. I just wouldn't. Second reason is, God answered the prayer when I was younger is I would have taken advantage of Katie. Uh, I have a lot of selfishness in me still. You see that? But man, you should have known me eight years ago. Yikes. I mean, it was, it was unreal. And, and, and Katie, God bless her, she is a servant. And, and as much as I've known her, and if I'm honest, had she been healthy since 2002, I would have relied on her to do pretty much everything around the house. Right? And, you know, I would have. It's humbling to say, but but daily prayer and lots of dying to self later, 2007, Katie discovered that she had celiac disease. And a change in diet yielded immediate results, and her back is nearly 100% healed. God has a multitude of reasons why he does things, but I'm, I am confident on my end, there was, my prayer was met with silence initially because my faith, my life, wasn't ready. And now it was. I'm going to ask something big of you this morning, guys. To have the courage to consider that you may not be ready. 
or the courage to dismiss this as a possibility. Having heard that the reason you might be hearing silence to your prayer that, that your, and your faith isn't ready, because your faith isn't ready, some of you will be like, I just know that's me. My faith is just so small. I've prayed, but it's just so small, and I've sinned, I'm unworthy. It's likely not you, all right? You kind of just need to maybe gently dismiss this. You just have the grace to say, that's probably not me. Others of us, our first response to thinking, well, my prayer's not being answered because I'm not ready. I'm doing okay. I'm doing better than most people I know. My marriage is pretty good, and things are good, and I'm okay, and my job's fine, and my things in my roommate are good. It's probably not me. <laughs> More than likely it is, all right? And, and I'm asking, as was the case for me, you have the courage to consider this possibility. Let me give you a series of questions that may help you consider if this is you this morning. Think about this. If I stop praying for healing, would I pray at all? Would I really depend on God? There might be a reason he's not answering right now. If I found the mate I have been praying for, would I try, if I'm really honest with myself, would I try to find my core satisfaction in him or in her or in the Lord? Be honest about where you're at with that. Or if God answered my prayer for a mate, would I be the kind of person I've been praying for? Some of us are, are, are still undisciplined in showing honor to others. We're inconsistent in reading our Bibles. We're sporadic in attending church and fellowshipping with others. But we expect God to bless us with someone else. Right? It's like, yeah, but God, come on. So really, I mean, you have to ask, am I ready to be an answer to someone else's prayer? Someone else is probably praying the same thing. Am I ready to be that answer? Maybe that's why God hasn't answered in the way you've asked. Or why do I want more money or a better job? Would I have the same or better ratio of generosity towards others than I do now with my middling income? Second possibilities, our prayer might be met with silence. He is teaching us to pray what is best. Now, I'm going to read for you the last verse of our passage this morning, Luke 11, 13. All right, let's read this together. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? All right, now I want you to compare this with basically the exact same verse in Matthew 7, 11, okay? Matthew written a few years earlier in Luke. If you then, who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Heavenly Father give good things to those who ask Him? What do you notice? Exactly the same, but Luke has decided to be more specific. Luke writes a little later. He does not say good things generally, but the Holy Spirit specifically. Now, this shouldn't really alarm us. It's very likely that Jesus busted out some of His best sermons more than once. Right? He had some good ones. I don't blame Him. And they would have included slight nuances. It's very likely that happened. And Luke intentionally chooses this version. And in my opinion, it's not a coincidence. But it's very intentional. Why? Well, think about it. Luke at at this parable, only here does, does Jesus talk about prayer to God in terms of a friend. That God is like a friend. At other places, 
he talks about his praying to the Father, praying to the Father, praying to the Father. But here, there's a parable in which God, allegorically, is the friend. As one commentator put it, brilliantly, when praying as a son or a daughter, it's much more natural. It's almost the Father's duty to provide. But with friendship, there's a kind of leveling to the relationship. To pray as a friend is to pray as one, I love this, whose mind and life are in sympathy with his. If God were like a genie in a bottle, all right, and we've all thought about God this way at some point in our lives, and you could ask for one thing, where would the Holy Spirit be? On your list of things. I mean, honestly, don't, don't, don't play Jimmy Super Christian with me here, all right, or Janie Super Christian. Be honest, like if you had a list, you had five things, is the Holy Spirit going to make that list? More of the Holy Spirit. Or I don't know Jesus, I want the Holy Spirit. Something else. And so he often doesn't answer that prayer. Instead, in having us return to prayer, the Father is teaching us to grow an intimate knowledge of exactly what he had in mind. You see, in this case, it's the Holy Spirit. That's the best request. And I've found this. As I've returned to him in prayer, and then I go back to God's word and doing it, so I return to him in prayer, then I go and live my life and do God's word, and then return to him in prayer, and I keep doing that. What I find is that my heart and my will begin to change in my motivations and sometimes in the content of my request. Does that make sense? Boy, Lord, I'm starting to realize maybe this prayer needs to change. Maybe it needs to involve someone else. Maybe there's a selfish angle here that I hadn't considered. As I continue to come to you and seek your face. I'm still asking, but the motivation, the constant request begins to change as I start to think the thoughts of him who calls me friend. Maybe that's a possibility. Thirdly, possibility our prayer I'll be met with silence. He has something greater in mind for us. Something far more vast in mind for us. Often the greater thing is getting to know the Father and specifically his character. The Father is meeting us with silence because he, he knows if He gives us the gift, we won't see past it. Right to the giver. And that's the big, the big picture contrast in both of these parables this morning. is between a groggy friend who isn't immediately generous, a, a judge who delays justice for convenience, and a father who is both generous and just. Right? That's sort of the twist Jesus makes at the end of both parables. In other words... All that we're conditioned to versus the Father, who's generous and just. And the Father wants to show us himself, his character. Trust in the person of God begins to take off when the constant clamor for all the tangible reassurances starts to die down. You know what I mean? When we pray, God, I'll really start to trust you in, in your person, your character. Please help me with this. It, Give me one more hint that I'm doing the right thing. Just one more. Give me one more blessing to give me the spiritual boost I need today. All we receive are these tangible reassurances, though, friends, they would never be enough. We want more things and less God. Other times, the greater thing he has in mind is just something far greater than we'd ever think of asking for, anything we'd even conjure up in our minds. 
Paul says in Ephesians 3, starting in verse 17, I pray that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth of the love of Christ, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or imagine. I'll stop there. I want to walk through this prayer together. It's a brief prayer, okay? He ends this prayer saying basically, this is a God who could do more than what we just asked. More than what we could even imagine. But did you catch, friends, the greatness, the vastness of what Paul prayed? To conclude this way? He... uh, that we'd somehow grasp the height, width, right, length, depth of the love of Jesus. Right? That, that somehow we could grasp and get and comprehend the square footage of Jesus' love. The total cubic feet. And Paul feels he has to qualify that by saying, but he can do more. Well, I mean, that's big time. And he often wants to do this with our prayers. We hear silence sometimes because God has prepared something far greater, friends. Emily Cavanaugh is an important unanswered prayer. While Billy Graham, a young man named Billy Graham, he liked Bible study. He liked it, so he attended the Florida Bible Institute. He had other admitted motivations for going there, uh, including he loved sports. It's Florida. Sunshine. It's Florida. And women. It's Florida. I don't know how to say that, but the Tampa area seemed like a logical choice for him. So, Billy, he, he did love women. And uh, he prayed for a wife. Prayed and prayed for a wife. And thinking that's what he needed to sort of take that next step. Feel whole as a Christian. His prayers were met with silence until, so he thought, a tall brunette named Emily Cavanaugh came along. He loved this woman, and, and he proposed after knowing her for one semester. But she was reluctant. She deliberated for months before she finally accepted. But one evening, she came back to Billy. She handed him back the ring. And she explained to him that I've decided, basically decided to hitch her wagon to one of uh, Billy's classmates, Charles Massey, Because she said she saw in him, she's very honest with him, she saw in him something, Billy, that you lack. Goals, plans, responsibility, and a future. It's hard to say that to Billy Graham. We know at the time, but but after months for Billy of, of pain and angst, late one night, Billy kneeled on the 18th green of his favorite golf course and he cried out, okay, Lord, if you want me, if you want me, you got me. I'm never going to let, I'm never going to get Emily. I know that. So I'm going to follow you instead. And no girl or anything else in my life will come first again. And that started something. Through the Lord's extreme generosity of unanswered prayer, Billy was able to receive something far greater. Calling a wife named Ruth Graham and a ministry that included preaching 
the good news to 285 million people in over 185 countries. All for naught. Had one prayer been answered? What he hoped it would. Friends, earlier in Luke 11, we heard Jesus say, basically, what father, if his child asks for something, would deny that child? Yet twice in human history, the Father of Heaven has outright denied the prayer of His child. I can tell you it's in God's Word. Luke 22. Jesus withdrew from them about a stone's throw, and He knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if You are willing, remove this cup from Me. Nevertheless, not My will, Yours be done. Mark 15. At the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus' prayers were left unanswered in order that every single prayer of ours might be heard and answered. If you are still struggling with the extreme generosity of unanswered prayers, look to the final prayers of Jesus which went unanswered so that we might no longer be separated and silent from the Father, but forever and conclusively answered. And we will be. Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians 1 that in Jesus Christ, it is always yes. Every prayer for a spouse will be for certain met at the banqueting table of our bridegroom. Every longing for wealth and comfort will be met in Him who is our treasure and great reward. And every plea for healing will be fulfilled through the tree of life whose leaves give healing to the nations. Because the Father left two prayers unanswered at Gethsemane and Calvary. Let's pray. Father, we ultimately confess that there are times where we won't know and we can't know why our prayers are met with silence. The deepest longing is our heart even. But Father, you do give us your word and you do want to teach us. Help us listen. Help us listen to you. Father, restore in us confidence that you love us, you are for us. And that's why our prayer is met with silence. Restore that in us. That can only be a work of your grace and of your power. Please do that. Father, when we're discouraged, when we think, man, God, what are you doing? Not answering these prayers the way I've asked. Help us look to Jesus. Who endured two the most excruciating, most heartfelt, most agonizing prayer with silence. So that we could forever have the ear of our Heavenly Father. We are so grateful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.